Take your Bibles. We're going to start. I, I told you Proverbs 10. I'm going to change my mind. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12. And we will work our way to uh, Proverbs 20. In fact, there'll be quite a few places I ask you to turn to tonight. So I hope you brought your Bibles. If for some reason you don't have one, there are pew Bibles there. Uh, the, the black bound book, uh, many of the aisle, uh, uh, rows. Feel free to, to use those and then leave them here. If you were to need a Bible, or you know someone who would read a Bible if they had one, uh, let me know. We have some Bibles that we purchased specifically to give away to folks that will read them. But I ask you not to take the pew Bibles for that purpose, uh, because those, those would belong here. Now, on Sunday mornings, we've been working our way through a series on devotional disciplines, back to the basics, habits of righteousness. In other words, these are disciplines, habits that every Christian should work to cultivate and to, to develop. And again, the, the essence of those disciplines is a response to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit leading you. Uh, and one of those disciplines we looked at about a month ago now, five weeks ago, was that discipline of victorious Christian living, that daily struggle against sin, against temptation, against our old man's warped thinking. And it's not just a battle one day a week. It's not a battle five, four or five days a week. It's a battle every day. In fact, today you've probably battled with something. Uh, and I, I know I have to battle it every single day. But it's a victorious struggle. We're not defeated. We're victorious. I love that verse. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So it's a victorious struggle. And one of the things that we're going to maybe struggle against in the next few weeks, not all of us, but some of you may have this struggle again with this issue of alcohol, drinking alcohol. Now, if you are never exposed to alcohol, praise the Lord. You can pray for me, pray for others. But when I lived in Mongolia, my wife will tell you just about every week I was offered a, a, an alcoholic drink. You say, what? Who were you hanging around with? Sinners. You know, if I were to have told the Mongolians, I won't go where there's alcohol in a home, I would not have gone any place other than Christians' homes. Mongolians, they drink like fish. It's just crazy how much they drink, especially the men. In fact, they have, a, they celebrate, we don't celebrate this holiday in the United States, but they celebrate a holiday called International Women's Day on March 8th, every March 8th. And the first March I was there, they were telling me about this holiday. It's a great holiday. And I said, okay trying to get them to speak English. It was an English conversational class. So I said, okay, how do you celebrate Women's Day? What do you do to celebrate? And it got really quiet. And the, they sort of, the men particularly sort of hung their heads. And I thought, this is strange. I said, well, well, somebody tell me. And they're all just sort of being really quiet. And finally, uh, sort of broken Mongolian in English, they said, all the men go out and they drink until they fall over drunk. I said, to celebrate Women's Day? They said, yeah, it's sort of strange, isn't it? We, we take every holiday as an excuse to drink, they said. And, and that's very true, just about every holiday. And so one of the issues that we worked through with our Mongolian Christians was how much alcohol is too much. And, you know, the, I think it's, a, it's often a sincere question when people come to me and they say, okay, pastor, I know the Bible says be not drunk with wine, but, but how much is too much? Now, I'm going to give you an answer to that question, but just to build the tension, let me tell you this story. True story from Mongolia. My wife and I went to a fellow's house. I'd not met him. I'd not, I'd met him recently. I'd only known him maybe a week or two. He invited us to come to his house. It turned out later he wanted us to come to his house 
because he thought somehow I could magically produce a visa for the United States. But I didn't know that at the time. And it was very early in our ministry. I, I hadn't learned all the tricks I learned later about how to sort of uh, screen these invitations. So we went to his house together and he brought out vodka. And I knew the word for vodka. The Mongolian word for vodka is Ida. And so I said to the man, I said, I don't drink. I didn't know much Mongolian, but I knew enough to say, I don't drink Ida. Well, what I didn't know was Eirich was their specific word for vodka. So then he brought out beer. I didn't know the word for beer. I said, no, nah, I don't drink that either. He says, how about vino? Now, I didn't know vino, but it sounded a lot like vine. So I assumed that it was uh, uh, wine. And it turned out that I was, I was right. I said, no, I don't drink wine either. He says, what do you drink? I said, I'll drink water. Now, Mongolians will tell you, now at this time he didn't make a lot of fun of me because he was hoping I'd produce this visa, but Mongolians will tell you, only animals drink water. <laughs> only animals drink water. But if someone offers you a drink, and this is what I would do in Mongolia, someone offers you a drink during this Christmas or New Year's season, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's your neighbor trying to be kind, I just tell people, no thank you, I don't drink intoxicating beverages. I just tell them that. Now, you say, why do you tell them that? Well, let's, let's think about this. Let's do a little thought experiment together. We all would agree that being drunk with wine is wrong. Because the Bible says, be not drunk with wine. So let's start with that. We, we know being drunk is wrong. But some people will say to me, but, but pastor, I, I can only take a drink or two, and I don't, I don't reach that point of drunkenness. Is that okay? Here's my question for you. Here's my question for you in this thought experiment. Do you draw any limit at all? Because if you go into a situation and you don't have a limit as to how much you're going to drink, you will end up drinking to excess and you will end up regretting it. You will. So a lot of Christians say, well, okay, well, I'll have a limit. Pastor, where do you think my limit should be? And I'll, I'll say to them, I said this to folks in Mongolia, I said, well, what is the Holy Spirit telling you? How much do you think you should drink before it's too much? And invariably, as we talk through it, they say, well, you know, I think the easiest place is zero. If I never drink at all, I don't even take the first sip, the first drink, I don't have a problem. But if I drink once, one drink, I tell myself, I'm just going to have one drink. I'll take one drink. And that sort of warms me up. And then I think, well, I'll take a second. And then I'll take a third. <laughs> and pretty soon they say, I'm on the floor. So I said, I tell you what, why don't we just agree that if anyone offers you a drink, you'll tell them, no, thank you. Smile, be friendly, don't be nasty, but smile, be friendly, say no, no, thank you. I don't drink intoxicating beverages. Now, I had to learn a word for intoxicating beverages in Mongolian, and it's saktorolik onda. It's a really long word, but I learned that covers all the, the wine, the beer, the, the hard liquor. And this is the safest place for us as Christians. Now, I realize that this is a difficult topic. But let's be frank. Let's think candidly about this. Alcoholism, it, the consumption of alcohol and the abuse of alcohol is an increasing problem in the United States. During COVID, the uh, shutdown, and we can all talk about the government's response to COVID another time, but many people stayed home. They worked from home. Uh, they, they did school from home. They, they stayed home. And many people took up uh, drinking to excess during that time. As Christians, we have hope that there can be freedom from that. Secondly, I think there's a lot of confusion among Christians. In fact, I know there's a lot of confusion among Christians. 
when I told a friend in Oregon, a Christian friend in Oregon, I told him I was moving down to Vacaville. He said, oh, then you're going to be next to California wine country. Now, that had never even crossed my mind. I doubt many of you say, oh, yeah, I live near Napa Valley. You know where they grow all that wine. Because that's not our point of reference. It bothered me, and I said this to him, it bothers me that that's your point of reference. And some people will say, well, Martin Luther drank beer. Well, he probably did. I I don't even argue that point. I'm not called to be like Martin Luther. I'm called to be like Jesus Christ. that's That's my goal, is holiness, righteousness, not to mimic another Christian. And so I feel like there's people, Christians, and maybe they've got a good reason, maybe they don't, but they're trying to confuse the issue. Don't be confused. As long as you start with zero drinks, you'll be fine. Roger, you wanted to say something. I don't normally take comments in a, in a message, but go ahead. I spent time in Germany where Martin Luther was. I see. There you go. Yeah. Right. Right, right. Thank you, David. (laughs) Finally, I want you to be equipped to answer people, even if you don't drink and and drinking is an alcohol is not a temptation for you. And I hope that's the case for most of us or all of us in here. I want you to be able to answer both the unsaved and Christians as to the reasons that you don't drink alcohol. That fella and many other Mongolians would remark to me after I said, no, I won't drink uh, alcohol, I won't drink uh, liquor, I won't drink beer, I won't drink... Oh, they would say, I guess Americans don't drink. I'd say, no, 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 Americans drink, Christians don't drink. Because there's two reasons, and Mongolians agree with me on this, there's two basic reasons people drink. Either they're sad, and they want to forget their troubles, or they're happy, and they want to celebrate. Those are the two basic reasons. I said... When I'm sad, when I need comfort, I don't find it by drinking. I find it in Jesus Christ. And you do too. And when I'm happy and I want to celebrate, I don't need to drink because my joy comes again from Jesus Christ. And anything that would break that fellowship between me and Jesus Christ, I want to avoid that. And you know, most Mongolians would nod their head and say, yeah, that makes sense to me too. And then they'd go on drinking. Why? Because they weren't Christians. They didn't have a Holy Spirit to help them. We do. We are more than conquerors. So let me give you some reasons, biblical reasons. We're going to start looking at the Bible now that I abstain from alcohol. I encourage you to abstain from all alcohol. And I encourage you to be uh, bold in calling other Christians that you may know, even if they don't attend Elmira Baptist Church, to avoid alcohol as well. Here's the first reason. Alcohol is a dangerous substance. Here in 1 Corinthians 6.12, it says this. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. That's 1 Corinthians 6, 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. That word expedient simply means they're not advantageous. They confer no benefit. And alcohol does not give you any advantage or benefit. It's a toxin. In sufficient quantities, you can kill yourself. And over time, you will kill yourself if you drink enough of it. It's a harmful substance to the body itself. But secondly, uh, alcohol is dangerous to our thinking. It impairs our thinking. This is what many of the Mongolian Christians admitted to me as we talked through the issue. One drink impairs their thinking and causes them to be willing to take a second drink 
which causes, makes it more likely they're going to take a third drink and a fourth drink. And like he said, pretty soon, as they put it, we end up on the floor. Because it impairs your thinking. And one of the reasons I feel so strongly about this at this moment in, in my ministry is, in the last six months, I've attended two funerals for people younger than me who died because they were drinking and driving. Now, they weren't members of our church. You understand that. But as, we, as I reach out into the community, one was Bobby and uh, Marie's friend's son. Young 20s, whole life ahead of him. In fact, the next day he was going to be deployed. He was with the Navy. He was going to be deployed on a cruise. And best they can tell, they got all excited. Hey, let's celebrate one more time before we head overseas. And in a car wreck died, four of them. I know when they started drinking that night, they didn't say, let's try to kill ourselves. That's not what they were thinking, but that's what happened. Then the second one was Kenny and um, Patty's uh, son's secretary, killed in a car wreck, drinking on Thanksgiving Day, probably drinking to, you know, enjoy the holiday with everyone else, got in her car, made some stupid decisions and killed herself. Drinking is dangerous. It harms the body. It harms the mind. Second reason that I encourage you not to drink. Uh, I encourage you to encourage others not to drink. And I don't, uh, my, my limit is zero. I mean, you're going to set a limit or you're going to be in trouble. Just set the limit at zero. Here's why. Because alcohol is an addictive substance. It brings people into bondage. This verse here, 1 Corinthians six twelve, says, All things are lawful unto me but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I will not be brought into bondage to anything. Anything you do, not just alcohol, not just drugs. It can even be eating. Some people are addicted to eating. Some people are addicted to work. Now, I'm not saying don't work at all, but you're going to have to set some limits in your life so that you can honor the Lord and not be in bondage. God doesn't want any Christian to be, in fact, God wants no one to be in bondage. And he gives Christians that grace that we need to say no to sin so we can say yes to God. Alcohol is an addictive substance. Sometimes people talk about the ability to to hold their liquor as if that's something to be proud of. I'm not impressed that a a person can drink a lot and maintain their, their sanity. I'm impressed at the person who says, nope, I'm not going to drink at all. And I want you to be bold in, don't be apologetic. If somebody offers you a drink around Christmas or or New Year's, and some of you, you'll be with family and you have unsafe family, or maybe they're saved and they take a different position and they want to push it on you, be bold and be confident that God doesn't want you to take a single drink. When it comes to this addiction, It reminds me of a poem. It's a cute poem. And so I'll give it to you to hopefully cement this thought in your mind. Don't be brought under the power of alcohol. Don't be brought into bondage. The title of the poem is A Fence or an Ambulance. And I'm going to read it to you. "'Twas a dangerous cliff, as they freely confessed, though to walk near its crest was so pleasant. But over its terrible edge there had slipped a duke and full many a peasant. So the people said something would have to be done. But their projects did not at all tally. Some said, put a fence around the edge of a cliff. Some said, an ambulance down in the valley. But the cry for an ambulance carried the day, for it spread through the neighboring city. 
A fence may be useful or not, it is true, but each heart became brimful of pity for those who slipped over that dangerous cliff and the dwellers in highway and alley gave pounds and gave pence not to put up a fence, but an ambulance down in the valley. For the cliff is all right, if you're careful, they said. And even if folks slip and are dropping, it isn't the slipping that hurts them so much as the shock down below when they're stopping. So day after day, as these mishaps occurred, quick forth with the rescuer Sally to pick up the victims who fell off the cliff with their ambulance down in the valley. Then an old sage remarked, it's a marvel to me that people give far more attention to stopping, excuse me, to repairing results than to stopping the cause when they'd much better aim at prevention. Let us stop all this mischief, cried he. Come, neighbors and friends, let us rally. If the, fen- if the cliff we will fence, we could almost dispense with the ambulance down in the valley. Now, I can tell you, you will never become an addict to alcohol if you never take your first drink. You will never. Young people don't miss this because folks will come along and they'll try to deceive you and say, no, it's okay, just take a drink or two. Listen, if you take a drink or two, you could become an addict. But you will never become an addict if you don't take that first drink. So let me encourage you, just set that as your limit. Young people, old people, people in between, just say, I'm not going to drink at all. There's a third reason, though, to be careful and to not drink any liquor at all, and that's because alcohol is a deceitful substance. It masquerades as one thing when it really does another. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, wine is a mocker, and strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Alcohol is deceitful. I'm grateful for a father who who pointed out to me that you know those beer commercials? They always show people having fun. They never show people puking the next morning. Why do they do that? It's deceitful. It's deceitful. Don't be deceived. Alcohol claims to aid social gatherings. But no, it harms them. You've seen it. I've seen it. How people get together, they say, oh, we're just going to take a few drinks, and the next thing's fists are flying. Or something is said, or something is done. Alcohol claims that it will take away our emotional pain, but it only adds to it. Drink never diminishes our pain. Yeah, it may make you forget, but only until you're sober again. And then you've got to go back to the drink. I, I cannot tell you how devastating how tragic it was to go to both of these funerals, see someone who had been killed in a car accident because of liquor, and guess what they were serving at the gathering afterwards? More liquor. It was, I I don't know how to help these people. Now, I, I don't have any help. Only Jesus Christ can help them in the grace of God. They are so deceived that they can see a a fellow, a family member, a friend killed by a substance and then keep putting it into their body. Alcohol is a deceitful substance. Alcohol claims to bring happiness, but it will only bring you hurt. Here's another reason that I set my limit at zero. I encourage you to set your limit at zero and abstain from alcohol 
Because alcohol delights the flesh, not the spirit. Alcohol feeds your flesh, not your spirit. You drink alcohol to gratify your flesh, not to build up your spirit. Let me take you to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, and we'll look at verses 13 and 14. Romans 13, verses 13 and 14. Alcohol feeds the flesh. Alcohol delights the flesh, not the spirit. Romans 13, verse 13. Here's the admonition. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness. There's a word right there. Not in rioting and drunkenness. Not in chambering and wantonness. Not in strife and envying. But instead of those things, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not... Provision for the flesh. Alcohol makes provision for the flesh. Your friends will say, oh, you can have one drink. You say, what's wrong with one drink? At best, you're making provision for the flesh. At worst, you're sinning against God. Just say no. It's crazy to me. I've talked a lot about this with my wife and a little bit with my parents recently. I grew up in the 80s and the campaign against drugs was just say no. Now the campaign against drugs is, if you're addicted and you need help, call. No, just say no. Alcohol is, uh, again, delights the flesh, it feeds our flesh, and the best way to starve the flesh is to just say no. Alcohol is associated with sinful behaviors, not godly behaviors. If you're taking some notes and you'd like to look at some verses later, Read the last part of Proverbs chapter 23, verses 29 through 35. Proverbs 23, 29 through 35. It says this in in that section. Look not upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women and thy heart shall utter perverse things. Alcohol is associated with evil, wicked behaviors, not good behaviors. When do people go to drink? At night. I, now, yeah, we, we, people do drink during the day, don't misunderstand, but they go to drink at night. They're trying to hide. They're trying to do things. They've got evil intentions. Alcohol is associated with sinful behaviors because it feeds our flesh. But just keeping a D here, alcohol, there's a fifth reason to to avoid, abstain from all alcohol. Alcohol directs others in the wrong direction. It leads other people astray. Let's imagine that you could start turning, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 13. 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 13. But let's imagine, thought experiment, and I know some of you are going to object. Hold your objection for a second. But let's imagine that you could have a, Beer with your dinner. A beer with your pizza, someone told me. A Christian told me. to. I'll just have a beer with my pizza. Or you could have a glass of wine with your pasta or whatever. Imagine you could do that and just have that one drink and then just leave it. Maybe you could. Maybe you could do that consistently through your whole life. But you will lead other people astray. They'll look at you having your one drink. And they say, well, I guess beer isn't so bad. I guess wine isn't so bad. I guess a single shot of liquor for New Year's Eve or whatever isn't so bad, but they will end up addicted. 
they will end up in bondage. And we're not called to lead others astray. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 13. This is what it says. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Now, the specific topic here is meat offered to idols. Let me just substitute the word alcohol here and drink instead of eat. Wherefore, if alcohol make my brother to offend, I will drink no alcohol while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. That's our goal as Christians is to edify and build up, not to trick and to tear down. And maybe you can drink one drink with your meal. Maybe you can. I'm, I, again, don't object because I, I don't advise this, but maybe you can drink one drink with your meal and be okay. Maybe you can have that shot just before midnight on New Year's Eve or, or whatever, and you're okay. But somebody watching you is going to be led astray. We lead our children astray. We lead our, our Christian brothers and sisters astray. It's much better if you just say, no, thank you. I don't drink at all. And don't lead people astray. Here's a sixth reason why I abstain from all alcohol, and I encourage you to as well. Alcohol damages relationships. It does. In fact, I've seen alcohol and alcoholism destroy families. And if you haven't, you haven't been looking very closely. I'm not just talking about people killing themselves. That is tragic. But it's even more tragic that some people live in addiction to alcohol and it's destroying their families. It's destroying relationships between spouses. It's destroying the relationship between parents and between children. It's crazy what people do when they're drunk. My wife and I um, were friends with some, some Mongolians and the husband got drunk one, one, one uh, winter night. I, I think it was around Christmas, New Year time. They didn't celebrate Christmas, but they did New Year. Uh, and he broke all the windows in his house. Or not all, excuse me, three or four of the windows in his house. A significant number of windows in his house. And outside, it's negative. It's below zero, not freezing, below freezing. It's below zero at night. And he broke his windows out in a drunken rage. How does that help his family? Now he's got to replace those windows. And they had to find another place to live. You can't live in a house when it's below freezing without any windows. Alcohol damages relationships. It destroys families. It destroys relationships because of something that you say. Our Proverbs, uh, they're chapter 23, and uh, they're toward the end. Your heart will utter perverse things. When you're drunk, you end up saying things that later on you come to regret. You would never say them if you were sober. But you get a little bit of wine, get a little beer, a couple shots, and pretty soon you're saying things you, you ought not to say. And it destroys relationships. Alcohol destroys relationships because of something that you do when you're drunk. People uh, I know, uh, not here at Elmira, but people as, as I've had contact through life talk about becoming drunk and waking up the next morning in a place they don't even recognize. Drinking alcohol damages, almost invariably, always damages relationships with your friends. Drinking alcohol publicly in front of your children is a terrible example to them. Even if they reject alcohol, it's, it's not a good thing. A couple of weeks ago when we talked about living victoriously, I gave you 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want all of us in the next few weeks, well, for the rest of our lives, you understand, but because this is a holiday season, for the next few weeks, I want all of us to live in that victory that Jesus Christ purchased for us by dying on the cross and rising again. And I want us to live in that victory when someone kindly or unkindly offers you an alcoholic drink during the next few weeks. I want you to smile because you're not angry. You don't have to be belligerent, but you have to be firm and say, no, I don't drink at all. Just say that. No, I don't drink at all. And when they say to you, oh, come on, say, no, no, there's two, two reasons people drink. Drown their sorrows. And Jesus Christ gives me comfort when I'm sorrowful. It's not that we have no sorrows as Christians. It's that we don't find comfort by going and drinking. We find comfort by pouring out our hearts to God. And there's a second reason people drink, and that's to find happiness and, and their, their sense of joy. And our happiness and our joy doesn't come from putting alcohol in our bodies. It comes from Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, let me mention, if, if you were to come tonight and, and you're here and you're not a Christian, you're going to find it very hard to say no to alcohol because you don't have God's grace to help you. But you can take care of that tonight. Any person here tonight could come in, not a child of God, and leave a child of God. You can know your sins are forgiven, you have eternal life, and that you have the victory that God promises to his children. It's very simple. You have to admit that you're a sinner. The Bible says this, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Recognize that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died to take our sins on his own body. The Bible says he, Jesus, became sin for us who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And then admitting your sinfulness to Jesus, trusting that what Jesus, I keep putting, pointing behind me because you remember there's a cross here. Uh, we, I just realized it's hidden behind this back drop. But remember when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins. He gave us victory. We are now more than conquerors. And then if you're a child of God, then exercise that victory that God's given us. Let me encourage you, if you've never memorized it, memorize Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1. Wine, it's a mocker. Strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. And remind yourself of that truth, because there is pressure. Many of you will face pressure over the next few weeks to just take a small drink. Just say no. Father, thank you for, for giving us victory. And uh, there are some people represented in this room who are once in bondage to liquor, and you've given them glorious victory. And we praise you, because you are a God of victory. We thank you because you freed us from our sins. Others of us may not have had addictions to alcohol, but we've been in bondage to sin just as evil and wicked and vile. And here you freed us. And we thank you for that liberty. We thank you that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And over the next few weeks, uh, many of us will be enjoying time with family. We'll be meeting with friends. And some of us will have friends and family who will urge us to drink. Give us confidence in Christ that we can just say no. That, that drink is not going to help us. It's not going to make it better. It's not going to, going to smooth that relationship. It's only invariably going to damage them. Help us to say no, to bring honor and glory to you. Help us to say no, to feed the spirit and not the flesh. Help us to say no, to be an example and to build up and edify our Christian sisters and our Christian brothers. And we ask that we would be a bright and shining testimony of freedom from sin to our neighbors and our friends and our families by refusing to drink rather than joining them. And Father, you know there may be someone here tonight who is not a Christian, not your child. 
I pray for their salvation. Lord, you know there may be a Christian here who's really struggling with addiction to alcohol. Yes, it's a secret. We, we don't know about it, but you know, Father, would you bring conviction to their heart and may they seek victory in Jesus Christ and be satisfied with nothing less than complete abstinence from alcohol. And I ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.